This is the Shanice Lewis Show, the number one podcast for plus-size women. With your host, the queen of curvy conversation, Shanice Lewis. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Today is Monday, June 13th, 2016. We want to send prayers out to everybody in Orlando, Florida, for this tragic event that just happened. Our prayers and thoughts are with you, and let's try and spread more love and less hate. Now, today on the show, we have a very special guest, Pia Shravaya. Campo. She's probably going to have to pronounce her last name for me correctly. But before we get to Pia, make sure you follow this podcast social media pages on Facebook at Shanice Lewis Show, on Twitter and Instagram at Shanice Show, and subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and Google Play Music. Now, Pia is a fat feminist yoga and writer and author of the blog, Chronicles of a Mixed Fat Chick. Her agenda includes extinguishing conventional notions of beauty and empowering women to take up as much space as they please. Through yoga, she has learned to find strength, power, and beauty in her body. Pia has written many articles on the subject of body image and self-acceptance, which has earned her a place as a valuable voice in the movement. Her passion for changing the representation of women of size and women of color in the media is a challenge she embraces daily. Pia believes that women work together, they can heal and lead the world. Let's welcome Pia to the show. Hi, Pia. Hi, Shanice. Thank you for having me today. Now, pronounce your last name for me correctly. <laughs> that was a really good effort, by the way. So my last <laughs> name is Schiavo <laughs> Campo. Now, you know what? Before I was researching you to um, do this interview, I thought mm-hmm. that was your maiden and married name, but it's not. It's not. No, that's my my dad's name. It's been a a name that's been hyphenated for about five generations. So, okay. Well, I learned something new today about you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. So, I read you were inspired by strong women in your life, especially your mother Hazel, who was your first feminist role model. Now, I found that interesting that you called her your first feminist role model. Now, what did you mean by that? So, my mother is a really amazing woman. Um, She's a black woman who grew up in the Roxbury Projects of Boston, and she grew up with very little, and she made a lot of her life. You know, she had a lot of battles to struggle. Um, Boston at that time was a very, very racist place, and so she encountered all kinds of struggles, and yet she put herself through school, um, became a Ph.D., and just recently retired um, after, you know, 30-plus years of being a professor. She was always um, making sure that she was fighting for the right things. And so I always saw that from a very, very young age. I saw the way that she really championed the struggle for, you know, the education of myself and my siblings, and that had a really huge impact on my life. Um, and so I'm always grateful to have been the product of such a strong, a, 
strong woman um, whose, you know, whose ideals were really clear and whose convictions were so strong. Now, you are half black and half Italian and speak fluent Italian, which is why the title of your blog is Mixed Fat Chick. Now, did Mm -hmm. issues with being biracial was a big part of your journey to self-acceptance? I would say it really was, probably more so when I was younger. Um, I think growing up mixed race, um, there were a lot of challenges for me. I found that I had a hard time fitting in. I felt like people wanted me to choose who I was, Mm -hmm. whether I was supposed to be white or black. And, you know, kids made fun of me because I was different. And kids are cruel, so they're always going to find something to make fun of. But I remember distinctly... Um, that other mixed people might experience this is that they used to call me an Oreo, and at first I didn't understand what that meant. I was like, oh, I love Oreos. Like, what's wrong with that? But then I realized (laughs) that what they meant was that I was black on the outside and white on the inside. And, again, like that is such a narrow view of the world. And, um, And so, you know, it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I became much more comfortable in my skin and realized that I didn't have to choose, that I could claim both parts of my heritage proudly. Yeah, because a lot of uh, people that are mixed with uh, black, they just identify as black, but you don't You do not do that. You, you state mixed instead of saying black, right? It depends. I mean, for the sake of the blog, it was important to me to say mixed because that's the perspective that I'm bringing, and that's the lens through which I see the world. But out in the world, I do consider myself to be a black woman. That's how people see me. Oh, okay. Um, And I think that my experiences have been such that, um, you know, I've experienced my share of prejudice and my share of racism. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I I certainly would never call myself white because that's completely inaccurate. Um, mm-hmm. And so, no, I definitely identify as a black woman. Oh, got it. Now, um, a big part of your journey to self-acceptance, besides that, was also um, accepting your body. And I know at one point you were trying to lose weight and you tried everything and you even had liposuction, right? I did, yeah. Now, um, tell me about me that from- experience. Yeah, um, you know, I probably started struggling with my weight when I was about 12 or 13, going through puberty and seeing my body change and, you know, reading Seventeen magazine and all the magazines that were out. And I was a really slender kid and teenager, but I think the messages that I was getting was that that wasn't good enough. Um, And so, you know, that's that's nothing new. I mean, I think a lot of women have experienced that. Um, and so I went up and down in my weight and started dieting at a, you know, at a very young age. Um, and then in my very early 20s, um, I had gained, I was at my very top weight, which was probably around maybe 220 at that time. And I was super depressed and made the decision to have liposuction, um, which is a decision that I really regret making mm-hmm. um, because it really did, I think, sort of damage my body um, and that certain parts will never, ever look the same because of that that surgery. And some people take it really lightly, but liposuction is real surgery. Um, It's not something I recommend, although I think people have to make decisions for themselves, and there are definitely certain circumstances that perhaps make more sense, like if you've had a huge weight loss and you've got sagging skin. 
I totally get that. Um, but I think what I was looking for was acceptance from other people. And if I was in a thin body, then that was the acceptance that I wanted, and I hoped I could get it. Um, but what happened for me was that my brain didn't change. So even after I lost weight, a lot of weight, I still saw myself as a fat person, and I still felt like my worth was based on what I looked like. So my journey to self-acceptance, you know, has taken a really, really, really long time. Um, and so I'm just really grateful to be in a much better space around those things today. Now tell me a little bit more about how liposuction um, damaged your body because, you know, people tell me often, girl, you know, I, I just want to get my stomach sucked out and I'll be fine. And I'll be like, you, you don't want to do that. So tell me, somebody out there is listening, is considering it, and tell me what did it do to you that they don't know about the part that they don't see about the surgery. Right, um, absolutely. So the first thing is is that people should know that liposuction is extremely painful. Um, you know, I know people. some people can go home right after the surgery. I was hospitalized for a couple of days and I was in tremendous pain for weeks afterward. That's the first thing, is that people think they're going to have surgery, and then, you know, that night they're going to be in a cute body con dress at the club. No, that's right. not going to happen, number one. And number two, for me, what happened was I had liposuction on my stomach um, and on my thighs, and in my lower stomach, kind of like, you know, what we call our pooch area, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the liposuction was done so that it was sort of uneven-looking, um, and mm-hmm. so it's created this very strange shape that I'll never be able to remedy, really. Um, and, you know, just left scarring. You know, people of color in particular need to be careful because we get keloids and those kinds of things. Um, mm. And so, you know, when I see myself in the mirror, you know, it is a constant reminder of the abuse that I put my body through in order to feel acceptable, in order to feel like enough. Um, and so I, it's a decision that people really need to do more research on and not take so lightly. And so in actuality, you would have to do another surgery and another surgery to actually achieve what you wanted. It wasn't just one quick fix. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I mean, I could I could do that now and say, hey, I want to have this repaired, but that's just not something I would want to do, at least not at this point in my life. It just feels like I've done enough damage and mm-hmm. – um, and I just have to accept what my body is. I have to. Well, I'll make myself crazy. Right. It'll never be enough. Because I think right. what happens to a lot of people who start getting liposuction is they get addicted to it. And it's like, right. oh, let me do this. Let me do that. But people also don't understand that if you go back to eating the way you were eating, your body is going to be the same. Like, it's going to continue to gain weight. It's not like you'll never gain weight in those areas again. That's complete right. bull. And I think some doctors will try to tell you that. Now, what was the big aha moment in your life when you decided, I'm going to stop dieting, I'm not going to ever do another surgery again, and I'm just going to embrace my curves? I think that happened probably about five and a half years ago um, when I started writing my blog, Chronicles of a Mixed Fat Chick. I had really gotten to a point in my life where I was exhausted. I mean, I had done I don't know how many dozens of diets and variations of diets and starving and compulsive exercising, all of the above, and I was really exhausted. And I was also just in a space where I was having these really interesting conversations with girlfriends 
about these issues. And I felt like, okay, you know, here I am, I'm talking about this, and I have all these ideas and all of these thoughts, but I'm not really doing anything about it, you know. How can I affect some change? And so that was the point at which I started to write about these things in a really public way on the blog. And for me, that was the healing. It really helped set me free to talk about the struggles that I had encountered because it allowed other people to open up and to not feel like they were alone. Um, and I think that's so key, and that's what's so beautiful about about being completely honest and sharing these stories with people. Um, you know, you are someone who's been in this potty positivity movement for a really long time. I mean, I think you're really a pioneer. Um, and so people like you and having access to social media, that also helped me have that aha moment. I saw confident people, you know, who were in larger bodies, they were loving themselves and they weren't apologizing for it, and they were wearing cute stuff. And I was like, wait a second, why can't I do that? Um, and right. so that was really the beginning of my aha moment. Now, before you even started writing your blog, you initially were pursuing to be a plus-size model. Now, is that how you stumbled across the plus-size community and the positive women? That is, I think those things sort of happened simultaneously. So, um, I had a friend who had sort of said to me, like, you know, you should really think about modeling. And, and I had tried to do it for a few years before that and never really had any luck with finding an agency. Um, and so I just thought, you know, maybe this is just not for me and kind of left it alone. And then um, and then an opportunity came up where I, I don't know, I think it, I can't even remember what it was. It's been so long where it was a local tryout for something. And I went and I was selected um, and that really helped me to also gain a little bit more confidence and start to really embrace my body. Um, and then I did eventually get signed with an agency and oh, you did. You know, did some photo shoots and had a lot of fun. Oh, I didn't know that. But mm-hmm. are, you, are you still interested in modeling or that's in the past? I don't think it's in the past. You know, I'm 40 years old, um, and so I also see that plus-size modeling, at least for right now, seems to be really, really focused on younger women and juniors, which I think is great. I'm so happy that younger women have access to this kind of stuff like I didn't at their age. But I also mm. would love to continue doing modeling and, and have some opportunities to do that. Um, the kind of things I've been working on lately have been more around yoga um, and doing mm. photo shoots around that. But I love doing, you know, fashion. I, I definitely have a passion for it. So if something came up, I would be totally down. Got it. Now, when you started your blog, Mixed Fat Chick, I believe this is where you really found your voice, and this is where you really um, started to flourish, in my opinion. And you call yourself now a fat feminist. Now, how do you dis- define a fat feminist? Um, so for me, the real key um, about the fat part was being able to claim that in a positive way. And a lot of people were very uncomfortable with the name of the blog, and they thought they were saying things like, you're not fat, uh, you, know, um, you know, why do you call yourself that? And for me, it was really about reclaiming the word because in our society, Fat is, you know, that's not a nice word. You know, it's really an insult to people. And I wanted to take that word back, and I wanted it to be empowering. Because when I really think about it, I'm like, fat is just a description. That's like saying I have brown eyes or brown hair. 
you know, or that I'm five foot eight. It, that's all it is. And so for me, it helped to really um, change the meaning and have it be much, much less important than I had made it for so many years. Um, and so for me, the way that I look at feminism is I really think it's important to be intersectional. So whether it's about race um, or it's about body size, I think it's really, really important to be inclusive when we talk about feminism. Um, and so that was a really key thing for me with the blog. And you started writing with the blog, but you expanded to write for other blogs and other publications. So who all do you write for, or do, is it not on an ongoing basis? You know, in the past six or eight months, I've kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, okay. But I definitely have written for other publications. So Velvet Demore's uh, Volume 2, I've written for that. Um, I've written for Ravishly, if you're familiar with that. Um, mm-hmm. And been uh, Adios Barbie, Everyday Feminism. Um, and then have had some great opportunities um, to be photographed for Mantra Yoga and Health magazine. I was in People magazine, um, the New York Post, um, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I've really been blessed to have gotten a chance to work with some really great people and have my name attached to some really wonderful publications. Right. Now, your sister is an ABC correspondent, Mara, and she wrote a book Mm -hmm. called inspired and how to lose 90 pounds now Mm -hmm. do you and her grow up together in the same household we did we did um and her book talks a lot about her struggle with eating disorders um, and we share a lot of that history so um you know the two of us have come to a place of accepting and loving our bodies in very very different ways um, and so while I'm not a huge fan of the name of the book, um, do you think that it was courageous of her to be honest about her struggles? Um, and, and I can relate to them so much. And so, you know, for her, she's really gotten into fitness, and that makes her feel good. Um, for me, I, you know, I do yoga and I do other things that make me feel good, but I'm in a larger body. Um, and so it makes, doesn't make either of us better. Um, than the other one, I think it just makes us different. And I think what it does is it shows people that there are lots of different ways to get to a place of loving yourself. So, yeah. So when she first was losing weight, did she try and give you tips or try and tell you what she was doing and you had to be like, no, I'm not interested? Not at all. I think we've both been really respectful of each other's journeys because we both suffered with eating disorders and, you know, we know how – um, how difficult it can be to get advice. And so I think because we know how triggering that can be, we've never done that. We've never, ever done that. And so I'm really grateful, you know, that I never said to her, you look too thin. And, she, you know, she never said, you look too fat. That never, never happened. Um, we definitely have a lot of respect for one another in that regard. That's awesome. So how did you discover yoga because you said yoga was a big part of you um learning to love your body tell me how did you discover it and how this became a big uh important thing for you absolutely so i remember i first did yoga probably like around 2000 2001 and i hated it 
I was like, I don't get this. I don't understand it. I'm really bad at it. And so I never really looked at it again until a few years ago and started going to a great yoga place around the corner from my house called Crenshaw Yoga and Dance in Los Angeles. Um, And I went to that class, and there were women of all sizes and all shapes and all colors, and it felt so safe. And there's a wonderful teacher there named Adrian um, who, you know, there there was not judgment. You know, there was no judgment. It was really about getting in touch with your own body. It wasn't about being competitive and trying to do, you know, a better downward-facing dog than your neighbor. It was really all about listening to yourself and being present in your body. And I think for so many years when you're dieting and thinking about weight loss, you're not present in your body. You're thinking about what your body will look like, you know, in five months from now. And so that really helped me to get in touch with with spirit, with breath, um, and with seeing all the amazing stuff my body could do. I, I really didn't get it until I, I started going to that class a few years ago that um, that I could do this, that my large body could move in different ways and could be really strong. It was very powerful for me. So is yoga like a workout? Do people do yoga to be physically fit? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um You know, yoga is amazing. I mean, depending on what kind you're doing, I mean, if you're moving very quickly, there's certainly a cardiovascular aspect to it. But, you know, you're really building a tremendous amount of strength and balance, which is so good for us. Um, And it's been so fantastic to see women, um, particularly women of color, like Diane Diane Bondi, who's an amazing yogi, um, really sort of helping to change the face of what yogis look like. And I just think that is so dope. Um, that That is the kind of stuff that inspires me because she's fat, but she's fit. And for mm-hmm. a long time, we didn't want to associate being fat with fitness. We, You know, we see a thin person, we assume they're healthy. We see a fat person, we assume they're unhealthy. And that's just not accurate. And yoga also helps you with a medical condition you have? Yeah, you know, I have fibromyalgia. Uh, I got diagnosed, let's see, maybe about four, three or four years ago. Um, and fibromyalgia is basically a disease that affects your nervous system. Um, and it show, it's very difficult to diagnose, and it shows up in different people in different ways. And for me, um, I had extreme fatigue, um, really, really achy body, poor sleeping, and I would have these what we call flare-ups where it would just be impossible for me to do anything, and I'd be laying in bed stiff, really, really painful. Um, and so when I started doing yoga, it really helped my symptoms a lot, and I was fascinated by that, um, just spending time in really um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just really restorative positions had a tremendous impact on my fibromyalgia, and I haven't had a flare-up in a very long time. So I I just think it's really, really powerful. So did you find that that helped you accidentally or somebody suggested it to you? Well, people had suggested yoga for a long time, but before I started doing it, you know, in my mind I had remembered the one experience, and I was like, I'm not doing that, and I'm too fat. I can't do yoga. So when I finally decided to do it, that was when I made the connection between, like, hearing people say, this is good for you, and then actually experiencing it. That was when I really got it. 
So what has been your biggest obstacle with finding your voice in the community? Well, first, what what community do you feel you're a part of? Because I usually use the term the plus community or plus-size community, but I feel like that's kind of focused on fashion. But you are more into the body positivity, right? I am. I mean, I think that there there are a lot of movements that I'm interested in, and so mm-hmm. for me, I want to figure out how I can be a part of all of them. And right. um, so I love fashion. I love plus-size fashion. I think the body positivity movement has been great, though I do think it's now being co-opted by big corporations. Um, you know, feminism, as I said, is important to me. I write about race. I write about gender. I write about all these things. So it's hard for me to say that I belong to just one movement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think the Black Lives Matter movement is important. And so all of those things are things that I want to write about, and they're all issues that are really important to me. Um, I have sort of taken a little bit of a step back from writing about the body positivity because there have been so many other things that I've been interested in writing about, um, particularly around race. Um, and because I've been doing so much yoga lately and I'm part of this yoga and body image coalition, I've been really focused on, on some of those pieces and making sure that people of color are well represented in things that have historically been um, only for white folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell me about this coalition. So the Yoga and Body Coalition is this really, really fantastic um, organization that is um, that Melanie Klein, who is a yogi, turned me on to a couple of years ago. We met at an event that was being put on by Ms. Magazine around body positivity, and we connected. Um, and at that time, I had been maybe a year or so into my yoga practice. And she asked me to be part of a photo shoot a few months later uh, for Yoga Mantra Magazine. And so um, with a woman named Chelsea Jackson, who is an amazing black woman yogi from Atlanta, um, she and I did an amazing photo shoot on the beach in Venice at like 5 o'clock in the morning. And it was so powerful. Um, It was a spiritual experience for me. Um, And so the point of that article was to show you know, not just that yogis come in different body sizes, but that they come in different colors as well. And so I've just had great opportunities to do a few sh- photo shoots with her. Um, and, you know, and now I'm definitely, I'm an ambassador of the Yoga and Body Image Coalition who's doing fantastic work. Um, so that means mm. an awful lot to me. Nice, nice. I'm a, you know, I did, the last time I did yoga, I was in high school, because, um, mm-hmm. well, my first two years in high school, I was in a magnet school, so they offered that at the magnet school, which is like the gifted and talented kids. And mm-hmm. I just remember going to sleep in yoga class when we were supposed to be med- uh, meditating at the end. I would just go go to sleep. So mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe I need to try it again as an adult. <laughs> Give it a try. So, it's really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't into it in high school, I'm sure. (laughs) So what's next for you? Um, Anything coming up we can be on the lookout for? Yeah, so actually uh, on Wednesday, July 6th, my sister and I are going to be on Good Morning America. As you mentioned, she's a correspondent for ABC, so she's often on that show. And we are going to be doing a cooking segment together. Um, where we are going to, we haven't decided exactly the dishes we're making, but we are going to be doing that. 
um, and cooking some fun summer stuff together. I'm going to be cooking more traditional versions, and she'll be, you know, sort of cooking the healthier versions of those foods. So, um, wow, and when, it'll what's be the date? In the morning. It's Wednesday, July sixth. Wednesday, July sixth. All right. And that's going to be on Good Morning America. I don't know what time, but definitely tune in. It's going to be great. Well, I'm excited. I didn't even know that. And you had something yes. really exciting to announce. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, c- congratulations. So you and your sister are going to be doing more things together? Is that like the beginning of you two doing more projects together? I really hope so. I really do. We have great chemistry. Um, and so I'm hoping this will lead to more projects. I'm excited about it. Well, I'm definitely going to have to set my alarm to wake up early, and I'm definitely going to be watching. And um, tell us your official website and how we can keep up with everything you have going on. Absolutely. So my website is mixedfatchick.com. And then on social media, on Twitter, I'm at mixedfatchick. Same thing for Instagram, at mixedfatchick. And then on Facebook, I'm Chronicles of a Mixed Fat Chick. So those are all the ways that you can find me. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's always a pleasure. I miss seeing your face in Los Angeles. Definitely when I come back, we're going to have to hang out or do something. I would love that, Shanice. Thank you so much for having me on the show. All right, and enjoy the rest of your evening and continue success. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. And thank you to my fabulous guest this evening, Pia. And if you haven't already, don't forget to like our fan page on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shanice Lewis Show. I've been your host this evening. Thank you for tuning in and supporting. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed. been listening to the Shanice Lewis Show. For more info about the show, visit ShaniceLewisShow.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15000 178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.